Welcome back to the American Pipeline podcast uh, on the Hockey News Network, presented by BetMGM and McKenney Hockey. I'm Mike Stevens, sitting virtually across from me is Sydney Wolf. Sydney, how you doing? Doing good. We're almost to the to like the end of the first chunk of college hockey for the most part, so it feels weird that the season's gone by this quickly because I feel like a lot of teams are are done after this weekend. So it feels weird that we're already at this point in the season extremely weird yeah it, it is it is it's we not world climbing. juniors and all these other big events coming up that i feel like a couple weeks ago we're like oh those are those are so far away and now they're almost here time is just flying by um well so you, you mentioned world juniors so the the camp rosters uh have been released um you know like teams are ringing 30 or at least the uh, canada and the usa are ringing 32 players uh, uh over who are going to be vying for it seems like 23 roster spots. Why don't we go through a couple of the notable sort of, uh, I guess, invitees from the American pipelines, like to call it and see what their, uh, what their odds would be of, of making it. Yeah. So like you just said, a lot of the teams are bringing quite a few people to like the preliminary, like camp, the preliminary roster, that type of stuff. But obviously not all those players can make the official roster because now I think, what is it? Two less people than it has been. I think so. Um, yes. Or something like that, because now we're sort of, moving out of the whole COVID era with all that stuff. So they're kind of making it back to, to normal a little bit now. So teams have quite a few cuts to make, at least for USA. And there's going to be some favorites to make the team again, but there's going to be some players that are all just going to have to see how they do uh, in, in the camps and uh, see how they're going to make a good impression on these coaches. But at least for goaltenders, I mean, there's four goaltenders on this roster. And I was just talking uh earlier today that there it's pretty much all american pipeline people i think there's yeah. two ohl guys total on this preliminary roster and then there's one player Chaz lucius who's in the ahl right now but he did play one year of college so he's kind of like was in the ncaa but now was sort of he, he took his contract so he's he's playing in the ahl right now but otherwise there's only two ohl players which i know some people wanted to see maybe more um, but there's only, I think two that I could count. One's a goalie, uh, but there's four goalies. And if you ask me, I think the goalies who are likely to make it, but again, I don't, I don't know for sure. I'm, I'm not the all seeing person, uh, <laughs> who's going to know who's exactly going to make this camp, but Caden Embarico obviously would be a, a returner and he's been pretty solid for Colorado college. So I assume he would be one of the returners for USA and Trey Augustine has had a pretty good showing here uh for the for the u.s team the u18 team he's part of the national team but otherwise i'm not really sure out of the other goalies who's gonna like step up and really make an impact on on the team so goalies we'll kind of see but i assume embarico would be sort of like the main guy just because he's a returner he already has some of that experience a little bit and then there's 10 defensemen and again there's some big names like obviously luke hughes is going to be probably the most familiar for most people on this roster because obviously he's a really really <laughs> good player and and returner on not only the the national junior team but the the men's national team as well so he's a very high level player uh but defensive wise too i mean there's one guy who's 6'2 when you look at it one guy who's 6'3 everyone else is like 5'11 on this roster which i thought was a little interesting just to just to see as a trend uh but there's a lot of college guys like i said um on this team uh the returners for defensemen is sean barons and then obviously luke hughes who we just talked about and then jack peart who i got to watch 
quite a bit this past weekend at St. Cloud State, and he's one of those guys who's not going to be like a really flashy player really for defensemen, uh, but I feel like he's been playing pretty steadily and just pretty well in general after being a really young player in college hockey last year. So those are the returners. And then forwards, we got a lot of new people. The only uh, uh, returners from the previous team, Red Savage, another great name. Incredible name. Uh, in, in hockey, Charlie Stramel, and then I think it's Logan Cooley, and mm-hmm. that might be it for the returners. There's not a ton. So obviously, I think Logan Cooley is probably probably a yes because he's been mm-hmm. so good, and he's a really high-level prospect, obviously a really high draft pick. Mm-hmm. Red Savage, Charlie Stramel, I, I assume, are going to be back just because they already have that experience. But again, we'll we'll see. There's a lot of other good players on this list, too. I know we've talked about will smith a little bit another another great name uh in hockey jimmy snuggerud has had a really good start to his season rutger mcgrordy another great name great Chaz name. lucius a great name there's a lot of great names on this roster I'm there really are and then noah laba great player for cc we talked about him a while back cutter gautier has been playing really well uh so there's just a lot of players too jackson blake i got to watch this past weekend there's a lot of players that are really good, but again, there's going to need to be some cuts. So it's going to be interesting to see who makes the team, who doesn't make the team. So there's a lot of high-level players, but you know, if one player has a has a way better showing early on, are they going to take that person in favor of maybe somebody who's a returner or something like that? I don't know. We're going to have to wait and see, but that's the preliminary roster at least. Um and then this might uh, be a little interesting, a topic for in a couple of weeks when we know the final roster of how mm-hmm. that's going to affect the college teams because there's a couple of college teams that have a a handful of players that are probably going to make this roster and then they're going to be without those players for a little while or at least the tournament is is going on so Michigan has a couple I think Minnesota has a couple Denver I think has a few so there's going to be some teams that are missing some of their top players that might factor into how teams do early on uh in in the new year because they're going to be gone for this tournament so obviously teams want their guys to go out and obviously compete for the usa that's a huge honor but it it might be hard for those teams to fill in the shoes of some of those players so we might have to wait and see how that sort of works out early on in i think january when things sort of get into the thick of the play and all that stuff so something to keep an eye on those are just the preliminary rosters as they start to make cuts and all that stuff and we actually get into world junior play we'll have to give some updates and all that good stuff for sure. I mean, look, it, there were a couple of notable snubs. Uh, I mean, here, especially in the U.S. side, and the number one there was uh, Ty Voigt, who plays in the in the CHL. It, it seems like USA all the like when building their rosters, it seems like they always go with the with the the guys in the NCAA or you know like somewhat more more centralized yeah. in America. That seems to be a trend. Like, is there is there a specific reason, or is it just sort of? their bias or you know it just seems like yeah they just want to pick those guys because i've heard yeah a couple of people saying well there was this player who i thought should have been on this at at least the preliminary roster and then Mm -hmm. maybe they get caught after that but they should have at least been on that first one um just because obviously you look through the roster and like i said there's there's two i think ohl guys i think that's it literally two i think one's a goalie and one's a forward so that's it definitely a trend some people yeah i don't know there's there's a couple names i know that people thought were snubs so interesting and yeah i don't know it just seems like that's sort of been the trend is to to take more of those 
collegiate players and the national team players as well. Yeah, absolutely. Especially like it just especially because a guy who got snubbed, like I said, Ty Voigt, he's leading the entire OHL in scoring. And if you would if you had if you just took his primary assists, he would still be leading the entire OHL in assists. So and obviously see, he's good. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's just like it just seems to be that they clearly favor the the NCAA yeah. the American pipeline, if you will, um, over over anything else. All right. Big news out of Tri-City is that uh, forward Evan Werner broke a record. He got a goal in seven consecutive games, puts him in some pretty elite company. This is a big deal. Yeah, so he, I believe, was traded earlier this season, and it seems like it's been working out pretty well. He started out, I think it was with Omaha, and then moved to Tri-City a couple games ago. So if you're Omaha, maybe you're regretting this trade a little bit. But yeah, he broke the record officially for the team's most consecutive games with a goal. That's kind of a mouthful to say. But the previous record holders, I believe Matthew Nyes was one of them, and He's a great player, so that that's a pretty good name to pass up. That means you're probably on a really good track. I believe also, obviously, a very controversial player that uh, people obviously don't like very much. Mitchell Miller, I think, was on that record as well. But, uh, yeah, Evan, Evan Werner passed that up. So if you can pass up a record by some guys like Matthew Nyes, who are going to be a really elite player that means you're probably on track to be doing pretty well so he's a he's a guy originally from from texas he's not a big forward either he's listed at 5'8 so a smaller guy short king as we like to say on on this podcast but he's got 13 points in seven games for tri-city so far so seems like the trade has worked out for him and yeah he's he's been killing it so far this year absolutely all right well another another one and, and, and a question that i think has been on everyone's mind is will Macklin, Celebrini, Accelerate, and go to BU early? Yeah, so this is something that I don't have the answer to because uh, I I don't just talk to Macklin, Celebrini, or anything. But I've been seeing people speculate about this on Twitter just because he's a really young player. He's only 16. He doesn't turn 17 until this summer. I think he's a June birthday, so he's kind of one of those in-between you know, the the spring and the fall birthdays. So he doesn't turn 17 until this summer, but he's already doing so well in the USHL. Mm-hmm. He has 23 points in 15 games. So he's killing it his first season in the USHL. So why would he not accelerate and go to college early? Because why would he spend, a, you know, more than just this year and next year, just playing in the USHL for no reason when he's obviously going to be ready a lot earlier than that. So I've been seeing a lot of people say, well, I don't think he's going to be joining and and waiting like three years to go to BU. Why would he wait that long? It seems like he's ready. So if you're Macklin, I'm sure you're thinking like, well, yeah, I mean, at this point in the year, you're, you're pretty consistent. You're putting up over a point per game pretty easily. It's it's really interesting to see, and I think that's something to watch if he tries to accelerate and and get into college here earlier than some might have thought. Absolutely right. Well, some some other uh, uh, I guess sort of younger guys going into going into college now is uh, Michael Haig and Christian Epperson, uh, who both committed to Michigan. Another another couple commits to Michigan. They're they're racking it up on 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 this front. Yeah, so they got two more really big commits. I think if you look at some of the schools with the with the biggest commits this summer, I think it's BU, Minnesota, and then Michigan are sort of like the top. And Michigan just got two more. The most recent one was Christian Epperson, who I've really enjoyed watching him play. He's 16 and he'll be 17 
uh, in May, but he played for Shattuck St. Mary's last year, had 100 points in 56 games, so almost two points per game, pretty close. And then uh, he plays for the national team now, and I think he's going to be a really good player. He's he's a really great prospect to have for Michigan. He's from Wisconsin, so a little interesting that you see him him choosing Michigan instead of, you know, if you're from Wisconsin, maybe you'd want to go to Wisconsin. I don't, I don't know. I feel like you see that a lot, uh, trends, at least here in Minnesota, people want to try and stay in Minnesota, but he chose to go to Wisconsin or Michigan. So two more big commits for Michigan. Obviously they're not having any trouble here getting, getting high level recruits and getting high level talent still. Absolutely. Clearly. Um, all right. We have your player to watch. Who is it? Yeah, so this week, the player to watch, I wanted to pick somebody that wasn't a college player or NCAA Ooh. player. So I actually picked a USHL player this week, uh, and it's Eric Polkamp. And he plays for Cedar Rapids, but he's really been lighting it up recently. He's 20 points in 19 games, so just over a point per game right now, but as a as a defenseman. So he's 18 years old. He's sort of um, has played in the USHL already one season last year, and he did he did fine. He had 18 points in 60 games, so he had some production. Uh, but nothing like off the rails, nothing that was super flashy or standing out. But this year, he already has 20 points in, in 19 games. So he's already surpassed his scoring last year in just a fraction of the games he played all last season. So obviously, he's taken a really big step this year uh, and has just proved himself. And I see a lot of a lot of players doing that in the USHL. They sort of get that first season under their belt and get a feel for the game, get a feel for junior hockey and I'm sure a lot of these guys are living with billet families Mm -hmm. and just getting used to all that and some of these guys still have to finish up school their first or second years so he's doing really really well as a defenseman putting up over a point per game really impressive he's 5 foot 11 but he's listed as as just over 200 pounds which is above some of the people his age as well who might be on the on the skinnier side when they're playing in juniors and before they get to pro they have to gain a little bit bit of weight before they get to pro because some of them are tall but they're but they're pretty lean so he's got pretty decent size uh, and he's he's from Brainerd Minnesota so he played high school for a while then is now in the USHL and now is making a really big impact and he's committed to Bemidji State so not too far away from his hometown and it's cool to see Bemidji State have a prospect who's doing really well and, and playing a standout game this year in the USHL. Very cool all right then the Hockey Commissioner Association or the Hockey Commissioner Association release their players of the month. Let's take a couple uh, ganders through them. Yeah, so this month there's a couple of really standout players. We've mentioned a couple of them already, so I won't talk about them too much. Uh, but Western Michigan had a lot of really standout players this month. We've already talked about Ryan McAllister plenty on how a lot of people didn't think he was just going to come in and be this amazing player. He had a great season last year uh, in juniors, but before that people didn't really know who he, he was very much. So coming into college hockey – I don't think people knew what to expect from him, but he was named Rookie of the Month. He is absolutely tearing it up. Uh, I think he has like 30 points, something like that. Uh, it says he has in the month of November, this past month, 2.29 points per game. So tearing it up. He's absolutely electric. Uh, so he's Rookie of the Month. And then his teammate, Jason Polin and Quinnipiac's Colin Graff are co-players of the month. So they sort of had similar stats. Poland had 10 goals, five assists for 15 points in November. And then Graf had five, 10, 15. So like the opposite stat had more assists than goals, but same, same amount of points basically. And then uh, an interesting one. I wasn't really expecting this. The goaltender of the month was from Niagara, who not many people 
know about very much. Uh, but their goaltender is Chad Veltry, and he's goaltender of the month. In November, he when he played, they were 4-0. So great stats there. Uh, and he had a 1.49 goals against average and a 0.957 save percentage. So really, really good numbers there. I don't know really anything about Niagara, but I definitely know about this guy now. And you might have to keep an eye on, on the Purple Eagles. Absolutely. Um, all right, let's rip, let's rip through some of the, the weekend that was. Uh, we got Long Island. They've continued to impress. They got another win, um, erasing a three-goal deficit to beat Brown 5-4 and OT. This is our this is our team to watch last week. You know, this was this was Sydney's yeah. team to watch from last week after they they shocked Ohio State. Nothing but great uh, great stuff coming out of Long Island lately. Yeah, so that was really cool for them. We said they were our team to watch last week after they had their first ever uh, win against a ranked team, which was Ohio State. And then this week they split, they lost to Brown, but then they came back in overtime and won. Uh, but one thing I thought was interesting about this game, I was watching some people live tweet it. The Brown goalie, who I'm, I might be saying his name wrong. I think it's Matthew Caron again. Caron, Karen. Karen, Caron, something we'll like fine. that. But that goalie actually got a roughing call and a game misconduct <laughs> and got thrown out. Uh, and I looked at the box score and it looks like a Long Island player got called for goalie interference. So I assume he must have tackled somebody or I heard maybe he like hit someone with a blocker or something like that. But I very rarely see a goaltender get a game penalty so that was very very odd to see especially in college so I think that's part of why Long Island must have got some momentum because the other team's goalie got thrown out and I think a freshman had to come in and just <laughs> finish the game so that was really odd to see I don't know what the heck happened there I haven't seen any video of it but I read the box score I would I would assume I would assume that it was he got run maybe and then decided to retaliate or maybe he pulled a Jordan Benning. Yes, yeah, no. because there was a goaltender interference call I think literally yeah, the, at, the, the, at the same time. So someone probably sense. ran into him. Yeah, and then he just got a little, little too it. carried away with it. Yeah, so that was really odd to see that. Uh, but in some other just notes, Ferris State, who is another team kind of like Niagara, you don't really hear about them ever. They haven't had a had a good season in a while, but they had a huge, huge upset. Uh, they swept Minnesota State Mankato, who was literally in the national championship game last year. Uh, so I don't know what Minnesota State was doing last weekend. I was very confused by these scores. I think it was 3-2 and 2-1, so they were close, but Ferris State Huge props to them, and if you look at the pairwise now, it is all screwed up because there's been so many weird upsets this year. It is so confusing, uh, but Minnesota State falls to 25, and Fair State is at like 30, so they're slowly but surely climbing up. I'm sure that win was was really, really good for them, so shout out Ferris State. Uh, and then we already talked about Merrimack earlier in the year. They were a very early on team to watch, and they're just an absolute wagon. I mean, they just keep winning. I think they only have four losses and they're really high in the pairwise. And they are also a team that hasn't really been super good in the past few years. And they're up to number five in the pairwise. They're up there. They're really good. So absolutely love to see it. I think that's awesome. Uh, some other just quick news. Denver beat Arizona State. Uh, one of the games was, I believe, 3-2. And from what I was reading, it was really confusing reading all of these tweets. Again, mm -hmm. I, I was looking through box scores. I was going to bring this up because there was a lot. There was <laughs> it was a lot that a happened. lot of stuff that was going on, especially so on Twitter. If you yeah. yeah heard this or understood this any better than me, let me know. But it sounds like it was two two. Denver scored late in in the third period. 
I think it was originally called a no goal, but then they cha- or they challenged it or something, and then they called it a goal, and then Arizona State wanted to challenge that, but then couldn't. Like, it just seemed like it was this long, like, no goal, but yes goal, but what if it isn't? Like, just this long thing, but long story short, Denver won. So, con- oh, some controversy there. They won, but it seems questionable. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot, like, I saw a lot of uproar about it. It seems like that was just a complete mess. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Hey, good for them. Um, All right. Yeah, so that was interesting. Uh, Just Jared Wright has been really good Mm. for Denver. I think he was a late commit this summer that was really late and just came in and has been really good. So that's been cool to see. And then for Arizona State, their goaltender, he's got a really long name, but another (laughs) funny name in in hockey, TJ Semptenfelter, I think is how you say it. He made like 53 saves and they still lost. So I felt bad for him because he played really, really, really well. Uh, So felt felt bad for him a little bit. And then the game I was at this weekend, St. Cloud State swept North Dakota. It was the first time at home in 21 years. So that was... That's huge. Huge. And they scored six unanswered goals. I think it was both nights. So as a St. Cloud State fan, I started out the game thinking we were going to lose both nights. We were down 2-1 and 3-rip in both games and came back. So I don't know how that happened. Uh, Some concerns brought up by North Dakota fans. They're not feeling too great after that sweep this weekend. So that was interesting. Uh, but yeah, that was a, a sight to see. <laughs> very, very strange. And a um, player to watch last week as well. Jack Randall, he had a big weekend. Yeah, so Nebraska-Omaha kind of just transitioning into both of these mm-hmm. things. But that's also the team I picked for our, our team of the week, team to watch of the week, whatever you want to call it. But Jack Randall was our, our player to watch, our player we shouted out. He had another big, big weekend. He's still leading the NCAA in goals per game. And I feel like still I haven't heard that many people talk about him. And he's leading the nation in goals per game. And it's like there's all these other names like people are talking about the Fantillies and then these Western Michigan players. And then Jack Randall's just doing really well. And I feel like I don't hear that much about him, but he's killing it. I think it's like if you calculate it out, it's 0.88 goals per game or something like that. You can look up the actual list of like the top players online, but he's still leading the NCAA and Nebraska Omaha. A nice uh, weekend for them this last weekend. They played really, really well, and they had a big weekend against uh, Western Michigan. I believe they swept them, and Western's been a really good team this year. Obviously, we talked about Jason Poland, Ryan McAllister earlier in the show. So Nebraska-Omaha pulled off a really big upset this weekend, and they're kind of one of those teams in the NCHC. They will lose some weird games to like not as good teams, and then they pull off these huge upsets like the next week. So they're kind of a confusing <laughs> team to me. Because sometimes it feels like they just fall really flat. And then other times they just have these huge wins. So shout out Nebraska, Omaha. Shout out Jack Randall. He's been killing it. Um, yeah. So they're our team team of the week because they had, they had a big weekend. So I thought it would, yeah, shout them out and, and keep your eyes on the Mavs. Well, I mean, there, there's no middle ground when it comes to Nebraska. Omaha yeah. Teams. It's yeah. either crazy drama or an absolute blowout. All right. Yeah, uh, we, we thought we'd run through a couple of the NCAA's alumni who are playing in the, and by alumni, we mean like people who played in the NCAA before, um, not like crazy distinguished, but, you know, some people yeah. who, who are, are in the NHL these days, how they're doing. Um, and we'll start with Hunter Shepard, who just got called up uh, uh, to the Capitals, and he was the AHL Goalie of the Month in November. So big, big opportunity here with Kemper out. 
Yeah, so this was one I thought was really cool because as uh, uh, he went to Minnesota Duluth, for anyone who doesn't know, played there in college. And Shep was like a, such an elite goaltender in college. I hated playing uh, Duluth when St. Cloud played Duluth when he was there because he was so good. I mean, he just I feel like he was never bad. He was always really good. And then he he signed pro and he played some AHL, but mostly ECHL. Um, but he's been with the same organization and now he was named AHL goalie of the month. I think he, it looks like he's around a 0.932, really good stats there and got called up pro. So I would love it. Uh, if he ever got to play in, in some NHL games, I think that would be really cool. He definitely is a, a, a little bit older. He's not one of those players who like only played a year of college and then immediately went pro he's 27. So he's definitely got some experience uh, and he's sort of that like just generally decent size he's listed at 6'1 209 so not super tall but not short but I would love it if he got to play pro at all because he was a he was an awesome uh college goaltender absolutely all right then we got Nick Perbix yeah so this is a fun one as a St. Cloud State fan uh obviously was a really good player at St. Cloud but he got pulled up to Tampa Bay fairly early. I, th I think he it shows he only played two games with Syracuse this season and then got called up six points in 19 games. So he's not like putting up a crazy amount of points. But I've seen a lot of people say they've really liked his game so far. So that's been really cool to see. Uh, yeah, I, I think it'll be cool to see if he stays with uh, Tampa Bay for, for even longer and keeps it going. Very cool. All right, Shane Pinto, how's he doing? Yeah, so there's a couple of North Dakota players. I'll just I'll just mm -hmm. mention both of them on Go this list. It. But Shane Pinto, Jake Sanderson. Again, there's a million NCAA alums we could talk about in the show. I just picked a handful. So if I didn't pick the one you like, I'm sorry. But there's mm -hmm. too many to talk about all of them. But Shane Pinto has been doing really well. If we have any uh, Sens fans, he's been doing pretty well. 11 points in 25 games. Last year, he only registered, I think, five. He only played in like five. He only played in five games, yeah. yeah and so he didn't He didn't play very many, but now he's been playing, and, and when he's been playing, he's been putting up points. So that's cool to see. And his North Dakota, another North Dakota player, Jake Sanderson, obviously a player everyone was really like anticipating to watch because I know mm -hmm. he fought through some injuries last year. He also has some, some decent points, 11 points in 25 games, and he was a big prospect uh, coming out of college. Absolutely. All right. Then we also have the one and only Maddie Beneers, obviously. Yeah. So Maddie Beneers, we don't even need to talk about him he's too much, but coming out of college, I mean, he's like just killing it this year for his, his, his full first NHL pro season. He's been absolutely killing it. Electric yeah. player, electric player. Same with, same with Owen power. He's been doing great. Yeah. Uh, Michigan, you know. Michigan peeps. Yes, they're they're doing great. Then we got Kent Johnson, another Michigan peep. Another Michigan peep. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, there's there is like a million of them from last year. But Kent Johnson has team. been, uh, yeah, I mean, he's been playing for Columbus, 13 points in 22 games. Again, he's been producing pretty well, so that's really cool to see. And then another another Michigan peep. Uh, this <laughs> this one's not playing in the NHL, but Thomas Bordalo has been playing with the San Jose Barracuda in the AHL, mm -hmm. and he's got really good points there. So I wouldn't be surprised either if he soon either gets bumped up or if he just has a really great year this year and then slowly moves back up to regular San Jose. Cause I know he played some games with them last year. He played a couple and had some points in those as well. So he's still been playing solid. And then finally, Sammy Walker, another AHL guy. Yeah. So this is another one too, that isn't in the pros, but has been doing super well in his first 
like minor league season, so I thought I would just mention him. He played for Minnesota, the Gophers, and was captain for them. He signed with the Wild this offseason. I don't believe he, I don't think he was a draft pick. I think he just signed. Uh, so, or he was a draft pick of seventh round. I think it was Tampa, but I don't remember. Something happened. Yeah, he signed with Minnesota, so a whole whole deal. Uh, but he's playing for the Iowa Wild right now, and he's over a point per game. So people have been like, oh, that's that's really cool. But the Minnesota prospect system obviously is really deep for anybody that's a Minnesota fan. And we got like a million players that I feel like are, are ready to come up at this point. So it might be hard for him to get into any NHL games, but he's been doing great in the AHL so far. Absolutely. All right. Let's now again, you know, we've been going through the Metropolitan Division uh, uh, when it comes to gr- taking a look at which teams uh, have uh, players in the American pipeline or prospects are in the American pipeline that are, that are coming up. We have now gone to the Washington Capitals. Uh, we do it alphabetically, by the way. So we're, all, we're basically at the end of the Metropolitan Division. But the Caps, they don't have a ton. They really don't have a ton of, uh, of I would say, like players that are, you know, that are really in the in the American pipeline. They got four. Yeah. Some of them are pretty interesting. So let's take a look at them. Yeah, so these are kind of funny. There's only four of them. They're all defensemen, and mm-hmm. they're all about the same size and pretty similar defensemen as well. So it seems like the Caps have, have a, a type. pretty similar system, I guess, for picking college players. So again, these are all fairly similar. Uh, the first one's Brent Johnson. from he He's not from North Dakota, but he plays for North Dakota. Uh, six points in 13 games. He was a third overall pick 2021. He's five foot eleven, so again, just generally good size. It seems like they don't like their defensemen too small or too tall. Uh, in the Washington system, is what I get from mm-hmm. these four players. Uh, last year as a freshman, he only had three points in twenty three games, but he's really young. I think he's only nineteen, so he still has plenty of time to develop all that stuff. But he had good numbers in the USHL, so I assume as his collegiate years go along, he's just going to keep picking up more and more points every year. Uh, keep on developing. Obviously, North Dakota has had a couple of struggles this season so far, but knowing North Dakota, they'll probably pick it up here in the second half of the season. Absolutely. All right. Moving on to Ryan Chesley from Minnesota. So this is a player that is has been a, a pretty popular name to some people if you've been looking at prospects and all that stuff. Minnesota's been a pretty dangerous team uh, this year, and Ryan Chesley is on that preliminary World Junior Cup roster, so a high-level prospect. He's got two points in 18 games, but that doesn't really mean too much because obviously he's a very high-level player. He's 18 years old, so he's also pretty young. He's six feet on the dot, I believe, so second-round pick this year national team product on the world junior cup preliminary roster uh and it's kind of just it looks like in general a nice mix of some offense and some defense a little bit of both uh so we'll see how his freshman year in college pans out at minnesota very cool all right then we got joaquin lemay from nebraska omaha so we already charted out nebraska omaha but uh this player again six foot one not too tall not too small seven points in 16 games fourth round pick in 2021 uh, is from Quebec and a freshman. It seems like he's a he's a big assist guy. Most of his mm-hmm. points are coming from dishing it over to his teammates. And he had really good USHL numbers. He had 46 points in 58 games for the USHL last year. And I think he was one of those guys who did BCHL, then USHL, mm-hmm. and then college. So he's kind of had a, a nice progression. He's looking great. And then finally, our last one, seventh round pick from the 2022 draft, David Gucciardi from Michigan State. Yeah, so we've 
talked about a couple of these guys in the American Pipeline podcast where they're kind of those last last few picks, the gambles type guys. But uh, this seems like a pretty solid player also. Five points in 16 games played, six foot one again, sort of that same size that they've been going with here for their uh, draft picks. Uh, six foot one from Toronto. Played in, I think it was like the OJHL and then a bunch of different USHL teams, which is a little odd. I think he played for like four different teams. Uh, and then last year, I think he's a sophomore now, had 11 points in 36 games played. So not too shabby on the points there, especially for a freshman. And again, plenty of time to just keep developing, keep on getting better and better uh, in college hockey and Michigan State, a team that has didn't have a great weekend against Minnesota previously, but they've been generally pretty good this year. So it's probably a good team to be on and, and to keep developing before you try to go pro. Absolutely. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of this week's American Pipeline podcast. That uh, we'll be moving on to another division next week to take a look at their prospects. And, you know, be, we'll be recapping another phenomenal week in the NCAA, the USHL, and everything, really. Um, Sydney, thanks for, thanks for doing this with me again. And uh, we can't wait to, to talk to you again next week.